Do you remember those book drives that they used to have yeah. when you were a kid? In the and you, library. Yeah, they happened in the library or in the cafeteria. And then you go in there and it was like a scholastic drive. They'd have all these like <laughs> books that were favored towards kids in the elementary era. Well, I remember that like in second grade, they had the Derek Jeter book, the one that came out in 2000. His biography, right? Uh, it was he was like 26 or 28 um, and it was called the life you imagine life lessons for achieving your dreams and it had a big picture on the cover of him smiling and there were a bunch of pictures in the middle of the book I remember reading through it and kind of saving those up <laughs> yeah. to get to and uh, this this reminded me a lot of that because they even used a lot of the pictures from that book in the series well I read that book you and, did? I, and so I knew it was some of the stuff that he was talking about that was kind of my favorite parts to see when they were using in biography do you remember he had a picture of his like eighth grade report card and I remember he had like straight A's and it, the moral of it was like his parents wouldn't wouldn't allow him to play baseball unless oh, he right. had straight A's yeah I was waiting for them to bring that up in this first episode because they did go through his childhood up to high school and then his first year they did in show the his GPA it was like a 3.8 or something they did show his GPA yeah in a high school yearbook I think yeah yeah I like how they spaced this out because you had basically 10 minute increments and there was a, it was an hour long so you got six 10 minute increments of different portions of his life it's started with his family and then you learned the names of his mom his dad his sister and how they got together and then you got 10 minutes into like his favorite player of dave winfield and then Derek jeter in high school then the next 10 minutes you had the organization troubles that were happening in the end of the 80s don mattingly coming towards the end of his career the draft of jeter himself and did you hear they how they pronounced his name when the Yankees drafted no. him? Mm-hmm. Though they showed it with the, like the old computers and the green dialogue, right. and they were like, "Yeah, er, er. <laughs> like they didn't know they, they thought that Jay was uh, silent. silent. Yeah. yeah. So then the other person was like Jeter. Yeah. Um, um, my one question was, how close is this going to be to the Last Stand? Because I feel like whenever any ESPN last drama comes dance. out, the Last Dance. Yeah. Sorry. I because that's my one question I ask whenever an ESPN drama is coming out because I always find that like the caliber that you have to at least try and. There match. are a lot of comparisons you could probably make to the Last Dance, not any more so than Michael Jordan to Derek Jeter, right. their personalities because they're not the same their interview presence is a little bit different i think michael jordan is a little bigger mm-hmm. in basketball than jeter is in baseball i know that jeter means a lot to baseball but, but michael both... jordan is considered like the best basketball player ever and yeah. i don't know if you can make the same argument with Derek jeter um but personality wise yeah they do have a few similarities both play basketball and baseball <laughs> yes both play the same sport um there's this controversial non-alignment with social and political issues that they both had remember jordan got lambasted because he wouldn't align behind some political figure who was running at the time and they hinted that jeter would have kind of the similar thing not only that he didn't speak out too much about race during the time that he was playing baseball but he did have organizations and stuff i'm not trying to downplay but he just wasn't as outspoken as some athletes have been and then also they're both very competitive jordan and jeter they both are committed to winning and they both aren't like explosive when they do interviews they both are pretty careful with their word choice um not to mean that they don't have an opinion but they're kind of reserved yeah i was gonna say restrained a little bit Uh uh-huh um, so yeah, that's that's how you compare those two. Also, The Last Dance had more cohesive, I think, storytelling. It had a beginning, a middle, an end. This is going to be harder because Jeter's career was longer. Uh, he had all his championships kind of 
near the waited toward the beginning of his career. He did have one in 2009, mm -hmm. but like I feel like the first part of this story is going to be really intense and fun to watch, and then it's going to be interesting how they're able to kind of show the ending part of his career yeah. up until 2014. I, I I have a feeling that in the final episode they're just going to go over Jeter's like complete final game. So they, and, uh, they might. I think they actually branch into his Miami career, though. Like oh, his career really? after it baseball. It goes after that? Just a little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't think it's just going to be that and then the ending. But he does have sort of a nice tie a tie up in that last game. Mm -hmm. It is the last year that they don't, or the first year that he played with them that they didn't make the playoffs. That's right. So it is sad in that circumstance. But the last game itself has a lot of... Um, I don't know. I remember watching it when it happened, and it felt almost scripted for him. <laughs> it felt like the Yankees and the team they were facing at the time. Was it the Orioles? Is that who they played the last game I with? I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I, it just felt as if they were both kind of going back and forth, waiting until Jeter had his moment to mm -hmm. shine. And because ne that game didn't matter, maybe yeah. that's the actual case. <laughs> who knows? Um, I'm, I'm excited to see in this series, though, because I grew up watching the Yankees really in like 2004 onward, mm -hmm. like things that I just know are coming up, such as like the dive and also the play that Jason Giambi. 1996 makes, like, to 2003, 2004. That's going to be like the prime time to show this series because it's going to have the Yankees Red Sox rivalry right. it would have a lot of the Yankees just superiority. Uh, among the entire league so it, if you're a Yankee fan it's going to be a lot of fun I like that they let the footage guide the story and that you did get a chance to meet his family I think his family's cool in the interviews mm -hmm. the last 10 minutes of the playoffs was probably my favorite part though because the baseball footage itself like I wasn't sure compared to basketball if it was going to be able to amp it up as much but they were able to kind of show you especially with the story of David Cohn and the rest of those players Bernie Williams coming up right. and how like they made it so far and it looked like Don might actually have a chance of winning a title after in 1994 there was the strike but in 1995 they let David Cohn pitch into the eighth I didn't know that at the time pitchers just don't go that long yeah. anymore um, especially in a playoff game and then they talked about it being the most devastating like year loss that they ever had it did feel kind of sped through at the end but I get it because Jeter wasn't actually on playing the team he was in the 40-man roster at the time right well, he, he was on the 25-man roster of the playoffs yeah Right, and I was also glad to see that they brought in people like Michael K, Jorge Posada. Did you recognize Michael K? Because he looked a little younger. I needed, I needed to see the like the text that they used under him. And Jorge and Andy Pettit look the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then Mariano probably will too. Uh, one of the criticisms I heard about this is you don't get too many of the opponents. Like you're not gonna see. Yeah, I would have. You're not to gonna see seen. Jason Veritek. You will see a Rod, and there is a little bit of a rivalry there, and they'll go into that. I know they promoted it all over the place, mm -hmm. but as far as just like the intense rivalry with some players, I don't know if they got anyone who Jeter like hated. <laughs> yeah, well, you know? I don't think Jeter hated a lot of people, but I would have liked to see people on other teams. You know, just yeah, talk about it. I mean, it is only the first episode, and I do feel like it was kind of stacked. There was a good amount. Like they showed Tino Martinez; he was playing on the other side, but you didn't see Ken Griffey. Like, mm -hmm. Ken Griffey wasn't responding. You didn't see Cal Ripken responding, but he he might respond in the next year. All right, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, different from the last stand, they don't jump in between timelines. So mm -hmm. I am kind of glad that the first episode is getting the backstory out of the it, way. Apparently, it's very strict with chronology. The director, again, led by footage. He's actually the protege of Spike Lee. So uh, Derek Jeter asked Spike Lee to direct the series, and Spike Lee's like, I'm busy. 
but I have this guy in mind who's already won a couple Emmys for directing and editing, and I'm going to put him up for the role, and that's what he ended up doing. Now, I do have a couple questions about the directing that they weren't all great decisions. I think the blue background felt a lot tackier than the last dance background. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I understand The Last Dance kind of did a mansion for a lot of these people. So it looked highly fancy and, like, uh, embellished and stuff. And this was kind of like a low-key blue background. Yeah. But it did make it feel like it was, like, a like there was less budget behind it. Yeah, it did. Also, the fact that they followed Michael Jordan in the 90s with, like, a high-def camera the entire last season really lent itself to, like, background interviews where it was just high def footage and this it's going to be less so of that because in the early 90s you're not going to have had that now later on once you reach the end of his career it's going to look like 2014 baseball compared to 2022 baseball isn't too different like we were dealing with high def cameras yeah but back in the 90s you can see the graininess when they're going through the draft it also is helpful that yeah you're right too but i like the draft footage because it showed him as again reserve like he didn't freak out some players freak out when they see themselves and they did say that the draft was different back then and that it wasn't as exciting because they weren't making a big deal about it on ESPN. But still, you'd think that if he went to his favorite team of all time, that he would be more excited visibly. Instead, he was just, or his sister was like, Grandma's going to have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I do want to say that the people that they interviewed, like Gerald Williams, sometimes he would like give away things that I didn't know were going to happen. For example, when they're talking about the wild card or the playoff games, he talked about them losing. And I mean, I everybody felt, knows like, it though. I can tell you the years they won the championships i get it if you're not a yankee fan then maybe you would be like what what the heck you ruined it for me but at the same time it's like i feel the majority of people who are going to watch this who are going to enjoy it are yankee fans i would give it an eight as a yankee fan i would probably give it a seven if i came in here cold not knowing a thing about it because it's acceptable it's not it's not great if I don't have any allegiance towards the team. You I know? think I think the show could get really good. I'm I, I'm saying even up to like the eight and nines, but I, right now I would just give it a seven. And that's and Derek Jeter is like my favorite player of any like sport, so I was really excited to see it. And I will watch the rest of the series probably when it comes out as a whole. I feel like this is one that you can binge. What didn't you know going in there about the '90s and the Yankees? I didn't know a lot of his backstory, like the racism that like occurred back in then. Kalamazoo. Yeah, in the Midwestern town. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, Michigan. Well, did you you knew his parents were in, yes. interracial? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a given from the book. I, I immediately was like, okay, well, this is going to have been part of him growing up. I also didn't know that he played basketball either. I thought that it was just baseball. That was time. I. Yeah, I needed that reminder as well. Uh, I was more interested in like, yeah, he played with Don Mattingly. I didn't for some reason remember that. I thought that Don Mattingly had retired in '94 or something and that that had been his missed opportunity for a World Series. I also forgot that he actually went to 95. I didn't I forgot that he was drafted at uh, 18 years old. They, oh, that they he was say, high school Yeah, draft? that was high school instead of college. And I found it funny that USA Today was like doing the best uh, high school players. And, and Johnny, Johnny Damon. Damon was number one, just knowing that he, of course, went to the Red Sox, then to the Yankees later on. Yeah. Yeah. And then they didn't even have him like interview when they said that. I thought that yeah. would have been a good shot to just be like, oh, look, we brought in that player. There was we also didn't I get did. the Obama interview that we were waiting for. <laughs> There was also things I remembered from the books, like he talks about going to his grandparents' house during the summer. I remember that. I remember when he got into the league, he did really bad. In fact, I was afraid to see that because I knew the second that he got drafted that we were going to see him not perform very well on that. Well... Was that the, was he in the minors the same year that Jordan was in the minors? Or did Jordan go in the minors in 92? No, no, no. Jordan was in the minors during the strike because they talked about that yeah. in his... 
So Jeter and Jordan were in the same minor leagues together. I wonder if they ever played each other. I think Jeter was in a lower... I think he was like in low A and Jordan yeah. was probably like in double or triple A because that's where he started. Right. So yeah, but that's really weird that they would have crossed paths I, like that. Yeah. I also found it really funny that the scout for the Houston Astros after he saw that they did not draft Jeter quit after 50 <laughs> years of being story. a baseball No, no, player. I heard it's, that story before. It, it's funny because it's almost like he was right in that sense. You know? Yeah, well, if he had been wrong, it would have looked foolish. Yeah, it? but like that's such a big risk to take. And it's funny that I kind of like, I guess, paid off in the end. Uh, maybe. I mean, it makes him look like a smart dude, and it also makes for a good story. Uh, I also didn't like that the cliffhanger for this episode wasn't as, like, intense as a lot of the ones from The Last Dance. Yeah. It, because it was like, okay, they lost, but wait to see what's coming. The and dynasty. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about the 98 team. Isn't that considered one of the best Yankee teams or best baseball teams ever? You're jumping to 98. We still not have 96, 97, 98 to go. Well, the first episode covered 92 through 94, right? Yeah, and to make it through uh, the 20 years of his career, you're going to need to jump ahead, especially since it's only seven episodes. That's mm-hmm. another thing that holds it back from The Last Dance, which was longer. And for storytelling purposes, again, was more weighted average Why like three championships at the beginning, three championships at the end. I'm wondering what other players we're going to get um, in the side panels, because like Gary Sheffield, possibly Alfonso Soriano... I mean, there's hundreds of people that they played with, but I assume that they'd have Mariano a lot. They'd have Posada, Pettit, uh, Williams, probably just that core of players yeah. who like spent the most time with him. I was wondering if Joe Torre is going to show up. Oh, one hundred percent. No, Torre was his manager for like the bulk of all the championships. But did so he, of course leave, he would. didn't he leave on bad terms? Not with Jeter. Uh-huh. Again, they made it clear that Steinbrenner is this like co- like he's almost a Trumpian figure. with no, some of the things that he did, he was like Jerry Krause. I put in my notes Jerry Krause. That's no, no, what they're. That's what they're making. Because he wasn't him some genius. Be. He was. He wanted to just always buy in the best players and the right. fact that he went away allowed this gene stick michael stick or whatever that they called him to uh create this core of like they called him a savant when it came to yeah. being able to like bring up players and then buckshaw walter was able to show them off for their full capabilities and then once buckshaw walter was done and he left at the end of the 95 season that's when tory came in with this amazing team and he was able to just kind of like show he, i'm not taking back anything that tory was able to accomplish but he did have a good team going <laughs> yeah it also it, i will go into my cons it did feel a little long like i think that this really? thing ended up being like around what 50 minutes or so at least that's what it was yeah like it was ESPN. an hour but com. with commercials it was closer to 50 minutes and i don't i didn't see it as too long again i was mapping it out like 10 minutes 10 minutes 10 minutes and i felt like they balanced that pretty well i guess for me i got to see some of the players who like from the early 2000s who i haven't seen for a really long time from randy johnson to ken griffey it was just yeah. weird to see like to recognize them and they weren't even like brought up as special well was randy just... johnson wasn't even on the yankees yet you just saw footage of him no i'm talking about when he ran on seattle like that was when yeah. he was on seattle and arizona that was his career the yankee stuff happened like later on that was really not that important i doubt he'll ever interview for the yankees um but yeah also the a-rod connection that they made at the time because they knew they were both up and coming shortstops and they were like this is going to be really interesting the seattle yankees series seattle didn't even end up winning the 95 thing that went to the braves Mm. so it's it's funny how they got beat and it wasn't even by the team that won the world series yeah i mean i don't know a lot about like the whole entire 90s yankee team well you're you're about to learn my prime knowledge is really that like a two mid 2000s or somewhat early 2000s well tino from they do a fire sale sort of in seattle pretty soon after that which then leads to 
a few years where they're nothing. And then in the early 2000s, that's when they get Ichiro. And the first year Ichiro comes in, Seattle wins like 116 right. games, but then doesn't win the series. So it's it's just, they've had a very peculiar team as well. But they once they got rid of A-Rod and they got rid of Randy Johnson and they got rid of, did they get rid of Ken Griffey Jr.? My point remains, they were always sort of a thorn in the Yankees' side until the Yankees became so good that they were just able to defeat everyone. Yeah. And then Boston came out of nowhere, and, and yeah. You saying Ichiro, I completely forgot that Ichiro joins the team later. <laughs> well, in 2001, so that's a while away. And also, Ichiro met Michael Jordan, too. There's, like, footage of them having, hanging out. And then the fourth 10 minutes was the minors, him struggling in the minors. He yeah, that was... six uh, errors. Yeah, that yeah, he said that was even hard to do intentionally. That <laughs> was the part that I found kind of hard to watch in this documentary because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to see him fail, you know. And also, this show reminded me of The Bronx is Burning. You remember that? It was an ESPN original series. It ran for like one season, and it was about the Yankees back in the 70s. Almost kind of like The Last Dance because it also went through just New York at that time. And so whenever I was seeing people show up like Reggie Jackson, like in old footage and stuff like that, it reminded me of, of that time period and that TV show. Huh. There's a lot of ESPN documentaries that have dealt with the Yankees in the past and Yankeeography and everything else. So I'm not I'm not super surprised. And but you the, can definitely find like what? But the Bronx is Burning wasn't like a documentary. It was like a retelling of the 70s with like actual actors. Yeah, the everything. 70s were an interesting time. The 80s were a low time in the Yankees career. And then the 90s were like that resurgence. Um, and then we had Steinbrenner leaving and then returning. The next 10 minutes, we had the 1994 strike, the 1995 Jeter breaking out. How long has Bud Selig been like the commissioner of baseball? The commissioner anymore that's manfred um but yeah and then you get tony fernandez who got hurt and then jeter took his role in that call up when he was mm -hmm. expecting to get traded now if he had gotten traded that would have been real interesting and then the last 10 minutes was the 1995 playoffs the first wild card david cone struggling in the playoffs and then it was funny how many people brushed off jeter even though they knew he was talented from pettit to like he got yeah. big league by pettit and then david cone uh, said that he just walked right past it. Jorge Posada said himself that he was like really jealous and didn't want to speak to him at all. Yeah. And then it's funny how also you have Buck Walter explaining why he left. And I know that other people have opinions on why he left or how, why he was fired or whatever. And he just said, well, four of my coaches would have been leaving. So I stood up for them. I'm sure Steinbrenner would have a different way of putting it <laughs> if he was given the sh shot to explain, but he passed away. Yeah. So, uh, and then, but because he left then, then it was like losing, but also winning because it really made the team into what it would then turn into, which is what they said, a dynasty. Yeah. So that the transition phase effectively ended by the end of this episode. So it says an 8.6 on IMDb. It has, an IndieWire gave it a B. Yeah, but there's not a lot of people oh, who viewed okay. it. It's on ESPN, ESPN Plus. So like, I don't think too many <laughs> people have seen it. Hollywood Reporter did label it sort of like negatively as a Michael Jordan light documentary mm -hmm. that it, it's strict chronology actually plays a negative to it and that like they pointed out that it would be better served as like a yes network documentary which i kind of understand uh, yeah Again, that's I, for the fans well i agree with you with the comment where it's like if you don't like the yankees you're really not gonna like this series papelbon um the the boston closer came out yeah. after the series uh <laughs> aired saying like you want to interview the real captain that was jason veritek and i'm ready <laughs> for that one it was like okay Overall, it is an ESPN Plus series. Like, not a lot of people are going to see it. But I think for anybody who is a sports fan or just a Yankee fan or who doesn't hate the Yankees, we'd get something out of watching it.
Yeah. In fact, it wasn't one of the first things that we did for the like today's episode, like a Yankee game, right? When they were facing the Nationals. Well, it just happened to be a Yankee game. It was opening day. Mm-hmm. And so we were just doing an episode of that. But thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.